0: Something has really just been bothering me, and I can't stop thinking about it. Why are directors so obsessed with putting horrible relationships on film? Tell me that! Can you tell me that, fucking Karen? Can you tell me that? No, you can't, can you? Because why? Because nobody knows! Who the fuck knows? Who the fuck knows? Hey, fam. Welcome to a new episode of Stay Watchin' Mondays at the Movies. We are back. We're not actually going to the movies because there is still a pandemic. I have not been vaccinated yet half the time when I want to go to the movies, and I'm hoping that I will be able to get an empty theater for something that I want to see. People have already bought tickets for that film, and I don't feel like dealing with all of that. So, Luckily for us, there are a lot of films that are being released directly on Netflix or HBO Max or Hulu or any number of other services. There's also a lot of stuff in the back catalog that I have not watched yet from the year 2020 um, that I'm just getting around to. So each Monday, I will be sharing with you some of the new films that I've watched. i going to try to focus on making sure that it's mostly new releases um, or at least stuff that, you know, probably didn't get as, as big of a buzz as it might have last year, if I am pulling something from 2020. So this week we're starting out light. There's just two movies that I'm going to talk about today. They are the little things, uh, which you can watch now on HBO max. If you want, um, I will get into maybe why I don't feel, that strongly about it. I will also talk about Malcolm and Marie, which is on Netflix, which I also maybe don't have the strongest feelings for. Um, I'm going to try to keep these conversations mostly spoiler free. There is one bit that I want to talk about with the little things that may require me to have like a little bit of a spoiler esque moment. I will, I will let you know when that is coming up though. So Hang in there. I will be right back. So the first of the movies that I'm going to talk about this week is The Little Things, which released on HBO Max, January 29th, 2021. Um, It's also in theaters if you prefer to see things in theaters, but I don't know if this is one that I would tell anybody to rush out and see. Either on streaming or in theaters. I think one of the good things though is that because things are streaming or, or are more available on streaming services now, it does take away that barrier a little bit. And, you know, I don't feel as bad about watching a movie that maybe didn't quite hit the mark for me on streaming as I would if I had paid money to to go see it in theaters. You know, again, obviously we're still paying money for it. We're still, you know, we're subscribed to these streaming services. They're not free. The movies that are getting released here are not free. You know, you're technically still paying a fee to see them. Um, But I think it does take that edge off of it a little bit. And so when something might be a little bit disappointing, um, you know, it it may not hurt as much, Uh, but you know, just kind kind of the basics of the little things. Basically, it is a film directed and written by John Lee Hancock, who um, you probably aren't the most familiar with him, but he is the writer of The Blind Side. He's also the director of films like The Rookie, uh, Saving Mr. Banks, and The Founder. And the film stars Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and uh, Jared Leto. So, you know, right there, you know, if, if the writer and the, if the writer and the director, the writer director doesn't quite get you enthused about this film, you know, you're looking at three Academy Award winning actors who are in this film. And so that's, that's enough to kind of catch your interest. And, you know, going into it, I was kind of like, why haven't I heard more about this film? Because they do have those those kind of marquee actors attached to it, you know, you know, usually if Denzel is involved in something, you know, even if I haven't seen it, I've at least heard about it. I've heard what's going on with it and the little things like really was was flying kind of under the radar um you know obviously you know we kind of knew about it because of hbo max's you know uh, same days theaters release slate so it was on there but i don't think it ever kind of got hyped up and and i wonder if that's because they they knew that reactions to the film might be a little lukewarm uh but i guess i should go over a little bit of what the Kind of synopsis of the film was uh, basically it's about Denzel Washington Denzel Washington's character uh, Joe Deacon who is a, a Kern County California deputy sheriff who has to go to L.A. Uh, for you know a quick evidence gathering assignment but while he's there he gets drawn into the search for a serial killer. Uh, because it's reminiscent of an old case that he works. And so he ends up, uh, you know, writing with Rami Malik's character, who is uh, kind of this, this new, you know, I'm not going to call him a hot shot detective because he's very good at his job. He seems very personable. People like him, um, you know, and he, he, he's doing great uh and so it's really about how these two characters one who uh in Denzel Washington's case was a bit of a disgraced uh you know person who you don't fully understand why until a little bit later in the film you know you can figure it out i i i don't think it's a very hard film to figure out some of what's going on um but y- you know you you're following these characters and you know, right off the bat, I just want to say, so, you know, I brought up the fact that, you know, you have Jared Leto, you have Denzel Washington, you have Rami Malek. They're all award-winning actors. Well, you spend the most time with Denzel Washington and Rami Malek. And for those of you who are familiar with Rami Malek, if you, you know, watch Mr. Robot, like he is a good actor, uh, but his Monotoneness can be a little bit hard to take in, in too large quantities. And I think this was a really large quantity for him. Um, one of the ways that I would kind of describe the dialogue in this film is it's really kind of like Denzel Washington and Rami Malik mumbling to each other, um, you know, and and that might have been fine if it felt like either actor had been given enough to work with. Um, on the contrary, I do feel like Jared Leto is doing a good job with the material that he's given. Um, that said, you know, it, it's weird Jared Leto. I mean, it could have literally been any role of his um you know and, it, and it, it i think that's the thing that keeps it from being that special for him but of the three actors i think he gives the most memorable performance and and that's the thing because the story of this film isn't that memorable um like i said i don't really want to spoil anything but i think part of the problem with this story is in a sense it focused on the wrong character um i will I will say that like yes technically the the lead is kind of split between Denzel Washington and Rami Malek um but in a sense I feel like there's too much emphasis placed on Denzel Washington's character um to the disservice of Rami Malek's character there is there's never quite the build that there needs to be Either in the story, um, because I will I will say this: the story for the entire movie, at least in my opinion, and and again, like this is all my opinion. You might watch this and feel completely differently. But of a few people that I have talked to about this film already, a lot of them are kind of in the same place where it is a very flat film. Um, you know, not to say that every film needs to have this like you know tremendous build up to the climax, but you know, when you are looking at something that, you know, we're, we're going to call this film a, a thriller, um, you know, because I think that's what it's supposed to be, um, you know, a crime drama thriller, you know, if you're looking at IMDb, um, but it never quite feels that thrilling. Uh, the mystery that you are along for with the characters, you, you never feel, I feel like the tension never quite gets there. And so it, it fundamentally loses that bit of what a thriller needs to kind of keep you engaged. You end up feeling kind of bored, and in a sense, like it's somewhat aimless. Uh, and in that same way, where you know their ability to solve this case or not is is what's kind of driving this film. You know, you are really trying to tell a story about the characters as well, and how you know what Denzel Washington's character has gone through in the past reflects on what Rami Malek's character might be going through now and i think that's something that does get a bit muddied and isn't exactly handled in the best way in this film um you know ultimately you know the way that i would say this is you know Rami Malek's character needed a specific build to a moment that you know, is supposed to be this, this, this really, you know, and I guess this is, this is kind of like the, the spoilery talk, you know, again, I'm not going to tell you what happens, but there's a moment that it's building to, and you know, it never quite sticks the landing because we don't actually have enough time with that character. We don't get enough of kind of the beats of that character to make that moment feel as impactful as it actually is. And, you know, I, I think that's the problem with this movie. It, it, it loses its focus. There's also this air of, you know, there's, there's like a magical realism moments, uh, involving Denzel Washington's character that, you know, it pops up, but then it doesn't feel relevant or necessary to the story being told and so you're just kind of watching this film and you're like why was this included because it it it, it pops up in these really you know disparate sections and it, it doesn't really have any real impact or bearing on the story so I, I just feel like there's a lot that this film does that it doesn't need to do and there's a lot that just kind of is unfulfilling you know, this is, this is the equivalent of, you know, you're, you're ordering something off of a menu, you know, say it's a, it's a, it's a really good looking burger for, for those of you who eat burgers. Um, you know, it it can be any type of burger you want. If you're, you know, doesn't matter. you you see this really good looking burger on the menu, you order it, it comes out everything about it. You like, you know, You know, it has all the right ingredients for you. Um, You know, you're a little bit unsure of of the chef that works the place, but the ingredients are great. And you look at the burger, it, it looks decent. You know, you're excited about it. You think it could be something great. You start eating the burger and it's just fine. It's just a fine burger. It doesn't make you feel great. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make you feel bad. You don't f- regret eating it, but you also don't feel like it really added anything to your life. And that's what the little things is. It's a film that's just fine. And you know, I, you know, I, I know I've talked about it in the past, but it's like fine is is often worse than bad. Um, you know, and I and I think this is one of those scenarios where it, it is a it's a middle of the road film. That is forgettable, you know. I'm not going to be thinking about this movie much longer than probably this week. Um, you know, after I record this podcast, it'll probably be gone from my mind. Um, and and I think ultimately that's that's kind of sad because you know it should have been a slam dunk. And I wonder with a different writer um, who is better with their characters and better with the story that they're telling would this film have been better? Like, you know, even from a cinematography standpoint, there's not a whole lot to me that stands out in this film. There are good looking scenes, um, but it's not a particularly beautiful film. Um, you know, and so, and so that's, that's one of the things that I would say about it, you know, and again, I know everybody's going to come at it from a different perspective. Maybe you'll watch this film and you'll really like it. Uh, I will never, you know, there's very rare occasions where I will tell someone to not watch a film. I'm not going to tell anybody not to watch this film, but you know, I'd really be interested in hearing if you find yourself kind of underwhelmed by it, or if you feel like this film actually is better than, you know, I'm giving it credit for. So that's my thoughts on the little things, very much a middle of the road film. The next film that I want to talk about today is Malcolm and Marie, which just released on Netflix on Friday, February 5th. Uh, It is a new film written and directed by Sam Levinson, who is the creator of Euphoria. He is also the director of uh, that film Assassination Nation that came out in 2018, um, and it stars Zendaya, who, who you may know as the star of, uh, uh, Euphoria currently. And, uh, she was also in those new Spider-Man movies, um, uh, which she's not really given a whole lot to do. And I wonder if that'll change in the next one. I hope it does. Cause she's better than what those films <laughs> give her to do. Um, and, uh, John David Washington, who, Uh, you might know from Black Klansman or Ballers or, uh, his recent film Tenet, uh, the Christopher Nolan film. Uh, he's definitely, you know, I think both Zendaya and John David Washington are actors who are, I kind of want to say are having a moment. They're definitely kind of on the, the come up as it were, uh, they are getting a lot more interesting roles. They're allowed to kind of flex what they bring to the table a lot more. And I will say that I think that is a shining spot in Malcolm and Marie. Their performances in particular are electrifying, you know, and and I don't want to be hyperbolic with that. I think they are both very, very good in this film. Um, I think they do the best job that they can possibly do with some material that I I don't necessarily think is the strongest material. Um, I think from, I guess, like just, just overall, what I would say about this film straight up before I go into any sort of mini rant is, yes, the performances are great the actors have great chemistry with one another. Uh, I, I think they do a really great job of, you know, battling because, you know, if, if you're not familiar with this film, you haven't seen the trailer for it. The basic synopsis is you are stuck in a house with two people who are having an argument. Um, You know, you don't need to know much more than that, and and that might be a sticking point that causes a lot of people to not want to watch this movie. Because if you've had a bad relationship or you have to deal with arguments all the time, maybe this is not a film that you want to watch. Because it's a pretty brutal argument that these two are having. It's very vicious at times, and you know in in a lot of ways it leaves you questioning like why is this so brutal does it need to be this brutal um but yeah so i think the the actors do a wonderful job um i think the next point that i would want to make is that the cinematography is very good um you know it is it's two actors it's set in a house uh You know, it has a very isolated feel. You can tell it's just the two of them. Uh, And, you know, I, I think the cinematography does such a good job of, you know, helping put the characters in perspective, like outside of just what they're saying, The way that the two characters are filmed, we learn quite a bit about them. The way that they carry themselves, the way that they see themselves, the way that they want to present themselves themselves in relation to the other. Um, I think all of that is done marvelously. I think there's a lot of really great great blocking and composition, and yeah, I could go on and on. I think I think the the film itself is very beautiful from a visual aesthetic perspective. You know, the music choices, the soundtrack choices are, are fantastic. You know, so those things, the, the aesthetics of this thing are great. The performances are great. Um, but why wouldn't I love it? It's the writing, it's the actual material and how that interacts with the runtime. So like right off the bat, it is an hour and 40 some odd minute movie if you're watching two people argue for an hour and 40 some odd minutes, it can get really old really quickly. Uh, for me, I think I hit around the 40 45 minute mark when I actually checked the time that was left in the film. Um, you know, obviously if I was seeing it in a theater, that's not something that I'd really be able to do, but you know, that was that's how I was feeling. Like I it had worn me down that much, that quickly that I was looking to see how much longer I had to sit with the film, you know, and it, it, it's uncomfortable in that way, you know, and again, you know, it's not to say that the actors weren't doing a good job. It's just that the material was, was growing thin for me, you know, and, and that's kind of the challenge that I have with Sam Levinson. So, you know, I enjoy Euphoria. I've talked about it on this podcast before. I think it's a very interesting piece, um, you know. But at the same time, one of the things that comes across with a lot of what Sam Levinson does and the projects that he 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 leads is that there's often this kind of fake depth to them. Uh, so he's telling stories and he's trying to give them more weight than they probably deserve. He's trying to make it feel like they have something more to say, something grandiose, something, you know, thought provoking. And for some people, admittedly, they may find it, you know, really thought provoking, really interesting. It may raise questions that they've never asked before, because, you know, the thing is like, again, we all come to art from different places. We all have different perspectives, different life experiences. We've had different conversations about media and the world and things. And so that informs the way that we interact with pieces of art. And for me, A lot of Sam Levinson's work, a lot of his art is really in that artifice, you know, not just in the artifice, but in the superficial, you know, so we're, we're talking about a film where there's an argument about authenticity and it's couched in this conversation that is kind of like the least authentic thing possible because of the way it's written. It's, the words that are coming out of the character's mouths don't feel real. And, and you know, and I don't want to leverage that critique as, you know, this is, this is why this thing should be shot down. You know, I know part of it is it's reminiscent of a stage play and, you know, dialogue is is written in a certain way for these things, but, you know, there's a certain reality that gets lost in these kind of moments. And for something that feels like it is trying to, you know, put forth this kind of real intense argument, it somewhat falls apart when it's almost too eloquent, you know, arguments when they're savage, when they are pointed, when they're brutal, when they are fueled by alcohol, they usually don't have the level of eloquence that, that you're seeing from certain characters, you know? And I think that's something that's, that's kind of a miss in this film. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel kind of grounded in that way. And the other thing too, is it's just like some of the arguments that are being had, um, you know, and, I, and again, I know people are going to feel differently about this, but there's this, this certain pretentiousness to some of what's being said and, and this certain, you know, kind of thumbing in the eye of, you know, kind of critical discourse around art. And, you know, I think the conversations that are alluded to in this and that are brought up in this film are important conversations, but I think the way that they are explored is incredibly short-sighted. And I think part of the issue that I found myself having as a viewer, as a consumer of art was that, you know, and, and, you know, I know this, this might sound a certain way to certain people, but when you have a, a white writer and director you know, really using his experiences and, and kind of writing that into a script and then putting it into the mouths of, of black characters, it, 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 I I, I don't want to just say it's, it's problematic, but I I, I would say it's really challenging and it's hard to look past. Um, you know, again, as somebody who is familiar with the creator and their other works. Um, you know, you're, you're listening to someone complain about critiques in a film, which are the same critiques that, you know, are, you know, kind of aimed at that specific creator. And again, for people who don't know this information, all of this stuff might feel brand new and they might be able to kind of look past those aspects of it when they are watching the film and they may they may feel that it does a really good job of exploring those topics but for me it, it didn't quite get there you know and, and I think that's that's ultimately a challenge like there's I, I think there's a fundamental disconnect between who is making this film and the types of audience who who are going to engage in this film. And, and one of the things, and, you know, and this isn't just to take shots at Sam Levinson, but, you know, well before the film came out, I had kind of predicted what critical response the film was going to be, you know, basically, you know, knowing that people are going to, to see it as something that has a lot of fake depth, that it is going to be pretentious, that it's going to be a lot of shouting, The performances are going to be good, but it's going to be beautiful but it's going to be very shallow. And, you know, I think that's what we see a lot from the critical reaction to it, but not so much from kind of the general populist reaction to it. And I think that is a lot of it is because, you know, from, from a critical standpoint, critics have to know so much more about a creator and their work, their body of work, what they've been doing, what they usually do, what they're doing next, the way that they've had to respond to things in the past, all of that stuff is going to inform what you go into a viewing of this work with. And you know, and you know, to a degree that may not be fair to the creator, but it's the reality of things. And and I think that's something that for me, you know, led this to be something that felt felt disingenuous, you know? And and I think, you know, part of, part of the problem for me is like some of the tropes of, you know, kind of what Sam Levinson does. So, you know, once again, you know, if you watch Euphoria, you know, that Zendaya's character is a, an addict and she's, you know, she's trying to get clean and, and whatnot, and she's playing another recovering addict in this film, you know, and and obviously Malcolm's character is an avatar for Sam Levinson, you know, who's who's used other characters as an avatar for himself in the past. And it's just it's it's challenging because it's just like I I've seen this all before. And I think that's, I think that's something that, that is a struggle to get past. Like the more media you consume, the more you find yourself contending with, is this something new? Is this bringing something that's to the table that I haven't experienced before? And I, I think in a way that can kind of sully your ability to enjoy certain things. Now that said, like, I don't know if I would ever find an hour and 40 some odd minutes argument enjoyable. Like it's really hard for me to enjoy that type of thing. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, February is the month of love. It's also black history month. So to watch a black couple argue violently, you know, and, and viciously, it felt wrong. You know, it, it just felt like the film wasn't needed in this moment. Um, you know, and again, it's not to say that all art featuring black folks needs to be perfect and needs to be free from conflict and, and not be uncomfortable or difficult to watch. I would never say that some of my favorite films are difficult to watch and uncomfortable, but I think it misses the mark. And, you know, I don't know if that's just because, you know, of it being, this story being a white person's experiences being projected onto and through black bodies and and that really bothering me. So, yeah. So I, I struggled with the film outside of that there, there's what I would call a, a, you know, you know, again, this is, this is a joke. This is tongue in cheek, but there's a bit of a hate crime in this film because these black folk are eating blue box craft macaroni and cheese and fuck that. It, it just felt wrong, you know, and they call out craft mac and cheese. They product place craft macaroni and cheese. And David, John David Washington like violently eats mac and cheese. You hear him smacking and his fork clinking across the bowl. That was just very hard to watch. So yeah, I I would say I guarantee you, you know, some people who listen to this are probably going to love the film and I would understand why you do. I also know that there's probably a bunch of you who would listen to this and hate the film. And I'm right there with you. Um, or maybe not hate. I I think hate is a bit strong. I don't hate this film. I think a lot of it is really well done. I just wish it was stronger. It, It was written stronger and had better material. You know, I think the last thing that I would say is I would be really interested in seeing how, you know, maybe a black woman writer would have approached this material and the content of the argument and the way that the characters interact with and and respond to one another. I'd really be interested in hearing and seeing, you know, what that version of this film could be. But, hey, I'd really be interested in hearing what you have to say about it. (laughs) So that concludes another episode of Mondays at the movies, you know, hit me up on social media at stay watching pod on Twitter, or hit me up directly at Larry Tron Send me an email at stay watching pod or stay watching pod at gmail.com. You know, I want to hear your thoughts. You know, were you equally, equally disappointed with the little things? Did it do stuff that you actually liked? Um, you know, again, you know, it's not all bad. I just thought it was fine. Um, you know, and what about Malcolm and Marie? Did you absolutely love Malcolm and Marie? Did it change the way that you think about cinema? Um, you know, did it have a a profound effect on how you look at things like love and relationships? Let me know your thoughts and you know, I, I would really love to have a conversation about these films and everything like that. So a few updates to the schedule. So basically I'm going to be trying to do Mondays at the movies every week. Um, I will also still be trying to do some shorter bonus episodes from time to time and the full episodes that I normally bring should still be coming out every other week. So just about every week, there is going to be something in your feed from stay watching. So you know, look, be on the lookout for that. Um, I have a pretty good slate of films that I'm going to be checking out this week to tell you about next Monday. Uh, but in the meantime, if there are films that you think I should check out, you would love to hear my thoughts on definitely drop them in my mentions, you know, again, at stay watching pod on Twitter or at Larry or email me, stay watching pod at gmail.com. In the meantime, stay watching fam. Peace. Oh, oh,